Ahoy! Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of Baffled. The boys are back for you uh, with nine facts, nine facts scoured from all over the internet. We will figure them out. We will put them to you in as nicely packaged little morsel as we can. You just decide whether they're worth saving or if they should be chucked in the bin. Uh, my name's Dan. Thank you for being there. I've got stuff about Great Britain actually being good at something. Something about why Bruce Lee might have died. We'll get to that. And a fact that we might have had before. I can't remember, but it's really good. So we're going to do it again. Connor, what do you have? Uh, we're going to talk about um, a, a bonsai tree because we haven't done that yet. Uh, John Wick and an effect that, well, if you're in court, then yeah, anyway, it's 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 a big one. <laughs> there we go. We got there in the end with that sentence. Mark is also here. Well, I'm the only one that seems to realise Christmas is two weeks away. So I've got three Christmas facts for you. It's the season after all. There you go. Christmas, John Wick and Bruce Lee. Covering all bases, it's a brand new episode of Battle. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, thank you very much for listening uh, and for, for no doubt telling loads of people about your favorite fact podcast. We are recording this remotely today. Um, I've been struck with that dreaded lurgy that's just knocking off everyone. Uh, Connor has returned recent, not in that way, not knocking off in that way. Connor has recently returned from a trip to his second home of Austin, Texas. Mm. Did you meet any badge wearers while you were there? Any members of the IBS society? No, no, no badge Squad. wearers. No, no, there was no people in bars wearing badges, but yeah, oh, shocking. Yeah, I, I, mean... I feel like you haven't done a good enough marketing job in Austin. Honestly, I was looking, I had my eye out thinking, where is the badge? Couldn't should, find it. Should have taken some with you. Yeah, I had about. Around the bars, hand them out. Well, at least people are getting them, then, eh, Dan? Exactly. Hand yeah, delivery. Exactly. That's why, that's why I want you to take them. Seriously, there's so many there. Just think of it. You could have taken all of the, uh, the, the bottles, the socks, the t shirts, the hoodies we've got. You could have taken them all. Yeah, what? And just handing them out to a bunch of random people in Austin? No, just, be like, just sell them. Just sell them, sell them right? Set, set up a table in the middle of the square. And just sell them. I'll tell you one thing. At the rate we're selling the merch at, the old uh, dollar to pound, I don't think many people would buy it. Also, Jane Drake joke. I, th- <laughs> I think Adam, who produces the show, messaged me the other day to say, he said, look, if you didn't have a little go at the merch every now and then on the podcast, that would be really good. So, <laughs> so if you're listening... The, mer- the merch really is good, and you can get some at baffledpod.com. Currently drinking uh, out listen, of one of the also, wonderful baffled mugs, so, you know, get yourself one of those. Also, Connor, if any place is, is where you go to do some guerrilla marketing, 
surely home of the alternative, Austin, Texas, is that place. Surely they'd love a bit of a random podcast just being thrust down their throat and ears. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's quite difficult to uh, have a conversation with anyone in Austin to get to the point of getting them to listen to the podcast because usually you open your mouth and it really bugs me. They go, where are you from? Is it hard? Well, I think it's pretty easy. Yeah. Americans London. always seem to confuse UK and Australian accents because it's uh, just like, it's English, but it's not our English. Where are you from, mate? It's like, really? You can't tell? Obviously, the UK. Obviously, yeah, but... Brentwood. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't think you, Brentwood is all that you, famous in Austin. Yeah. You don't have a traditional, uh, you know, RP, received pronunciation accent. So I think it might be a bit confusing. Mm, well, I hope they would have got Brentwood, but, you know, that's for maybe for the next trip. Oh, they need to come over to the old Brentwood Nando's. Absolutely. Around the corner from the from the Savills and the Roman estate agents. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring you facts that we've found online. You just decide whether they are shareable or whether they should be chucked in the bin of knowledge. Mark, what's your first fact? The Christmas Yule log that we eat today was originally meant to guard against evil. I thought you was going to say guard against like a draft below your door. No, no, not, not, not that. Evil. I mean, evil might be coming in via a draft underneath your door. You don't know. So maybe it works as both. Death Eater. One maybe. Of those. Yeah, you never know. Mm. I don't know how evil gets in. It might be underneath a door. Yeah. But the Christmas Yule Log was meant to guard against evil. So the idea of a Yule Log or the actual... Yeah. So, so the Yule Log started out not as the chocolatey treat that we eat today. going to say. Uh, it was an actual log. So to cleanse the air of the previous year's events and to usher in the spring... Basically, families would get a log. They'd decorate it with holly, with pine cones, with ivy. They'd put some wine on there, some salt, just to anoint the log. And then they would burn it. And then once it's burnt, the ashes were then valuable treasures said to guard against evil and to have medicinal benefits. I don't know if you were with me there, Dan, and I'm sure there's plenty of people listening that were, but I did imagine a Colin the Caterpillar style cake in front of my front door. Yeah. I mean, I have heard rumours that Colin the Caterpillar Sat at your front door does stop unwanted evil spirits. <laughs> so, was it was it chocolate at all? No, so it was just a general log. It was just an actual log, a wooden log that they would then burn, and the ashes would be the things that would give you the benefits, the medicinal benefits, and to guard against evil. Then over the years, it's transformed into the chocolate form that you now have for dessert. Right. So the actual, so basically, a log has become a a log shaped cake. Yes, basically because. People over time realised probably don't need to ward off evil spirits like that. So then they made a cake that well, was the shape of a log and then linked it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. They went, but we should still keep the log. How should we do it? Chocolate, go okay. on then. Well, here's, there's, there's a few things. One, how do we know these evil spirits don't exist? I mean, yeah, we're in quite a strange time at the moment. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the reason because we've given up with this whole log burning fiasco. Uh, right, I have known you. you I have like known that. you for many years, many, many years, mm. and I have I never ever thought that you would come out with. Oh, maybe evil spirits are real. <laughs> no, well, I'm. Well, uh, you know, you can never say never. I mean, I don't really believe in it, but you can never say never. And then when you look at how everything is going to the moment, like it could be the argument that it's because we've stopped burning the old Yule logs. So there's one thing. This Second thing, changed him. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's a, he's a changed man. We're eating the Yule Logs. We should be burning the Yule Logs. I think that could make a difference. Second thing. Exactly, Connor. It's really, really funny that um, 
the people back then were doing this very mystical thing, very spiritual thing, burning this Yule log to protect from evil spirits. And what do we do? We've turned it into a chocolate cake that yep. you can buy for like six quid at M&S. That's funny. And um, as most facts do from back in the day, they just remind you that people back then were really, really weird. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but then it's probably a thing that people will look back on things we do and go, Things that we see as right. normal well, right now. Here's the question. Connor, and I'm going to come to you for this because I feel you're more of a cultural, you're more, you're, 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 you are the most uh, astute social commentator of the three of us, I, I would say. Mark and I are focused on more theoretical, philosophical matters, yes. whereas okay, yep. you're, you're, you're nose on the ground. You're, you're in a people's champion. people care about. In, exactly. In 300 years, Connor, what are people going to look at that we do today and be like, what the hell was that all about? Um, be real. Yeah? Yeah, be real. That whole concept, I think, I think people will look back on and go, because I think that what's going to happen with be real is that you're way too present. There's going to be situations that's going to come soon with be real where somebody has had something bad happen to them because be real is exactly where you are in that moment. And everyone will be like, why did we ever do that? We're letting everyone know where we are. Sounds, yeah, but only for one moment very deep a day. for something, which is all about social media. It is, it is one moment, right? But, I mean, you can get there pretty quick. Sometimes one moment. And also it tags your location and the time of which you were there. I mean, talk about exposed. You know, like these people that didn't get the vaccine, so they're like, oh, microchips. They've probably got B-Real. It's the same people, <laughs> right? And it's like, well, realistically, that's how they're going to find you, bud. Let's be honest. Well, one could argue, and I'm sure people online have an idea that, you know, maybe Be Real is being used for marketing purposes for that very process. Maybe that's the reason it exists. So, you know, the advertisers know where you are every second of the day. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what they're thinking. I'm trying to think of something else as well that in 300 years people are going to look back on and be like, you know, why did we do that? I'm trying to think. I mean, there's probably specific haircuts. I mean, I had a mullet, for God's sake. I about to say, yeah. I'll probably look back on that in 300 years and think, what was that all about? Right? It took me, it took me about three seconds to realise that was an odd decision of yours. Yeah, but I enjoyed that moment. What else would we look back on? Um, Maybe even just things like, what, they bred and then caught animals and killed them to eat? They'll just grow their own meat in the future. Tofu. To- yeah, tofu, that's the one. They'll be like, what? You ate tofu voluntarily? If there is anything that they will look back on in 300 years tofu. and go, it was a mare. It will be tofu. Okay. Well, actually, we might as well not call it tofu. We might as well call it cardboard. So. Exactly. Connor, give us your first fact of the show. Uh, well, this is actually one of my favouritist facts, if that's a word. In 2000, it's not, it's not a word, but no, we're going to use it. It's not a word. Favouritist. In 2019, there was a thief that stole. It was a, a what? A thief. A thief. <laughs> okay. Thief. That thief stole a rare 400-year-old Japanese bonsai tree. Obviously, bonsai trees are quite expensive, hence why he nicked them. Yeah. The owner was very sad, so he publicly gave instructions on how you care for that plant so that it wouldn't die as he felt like it was his child and it was his duty. I, in, I enjoy that. Yeah. And when I say publicly as well, by the, the way, it was press public. He, he made sure, and obviously the press, you know, Sorry for him, I assume. Mm. And yeah, put a little statement out. If you've got my 400-year-old bonsai tree, look, I'm obviously not getting it back because, but this is how you care for it. Please just keep it alive. Love it. Um, any news on what became of the bonsai tree? Did the thief 
or thief uh, care about it. So did look in. He the advice. Did look into it all. The bonsai tree was never returned to the owner. He never did actually get the bonsai tree back, obviously, because it was stolen, and never really got any understanding as to whether it was still alive. Which I kind of understand, you know, if you're weird enough to run around. Because I mean, if I'm going to be a burglar, right? I'm not nicking bonsai trees. I'm nicking. They're valuable. You've just said That's it. Valuable, yeah, I know. Right? But a bonsai tree is a bit weird and a bit ag to nick. It's a tree, right? Sure. Whereas, right. well, I mean, let, I mean it let, is let, a tree, yeah. but how tall was this? Well, 400 year old bonsai. Right. You get Mark in a balaclava, right? You're balaclavaed yeah. up. Sure. Fine. You're going to go rob somebody. Yeah. Wallet or ring. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Something, it, slip it in the pocket. Off you go. A bonsai tree. I mean, it's not like it's an oak tree. And also, if you break into a house to steal things and your decision is the bonsai tree, you're a bit weird. You not think? Well, yeah, but if Mark's, you know, with a balaclava and roaming down the streets, nicking people's wallets and slipping rings off their fingers, it marks him out as a thief. If you just, if you happen... Sorry, go on. If you happen to enter someone's home and take a bonsai tree, no one's really going to look twice at you just wandering around the road with a bonsai tree. You don't look like a common criminal because it's such an obscure thing to steal. Absolutely. I think, yeah, being dressed in black with a balaclava on face completely covered holding a bonsai tree, you definitely wouldn't look twice. I also feel like it probably wasn't a case of, oh, let's go rob that house. Oh, look, there's a bonsai tree. Let's take that. It was probably a targeted attack to steal the bonsai tree. It was worth $120,000. There we go, $120,000. I just feel sorry for the poor old guy, though. 400 years old, I'd be absolutely gutted. It's too much money for a tree, isn't it? Too much money for a tree, but there you go, 120k, bosh. And, and I do feel that, I wonder how much effort was made to, to find the tree for him. Or do you think he gave up quite quickly and thought, you know, because I can't imagine this is that younger man. He was probably quite an old dude and was like, look, you know, you can have the tree, just make sure you keep it safe, keep it well. Do you reckon Which, it's like art yeah. there where it might be, you know, like, stolen to water someone went yeah i want that 400 year old bonsai tree well gonna sit up there on my shelf i'll go pay someone to steal it i think the difficulty is as well really really hard to then find the bonsai tree that was stolen if it's disguised in a greenhouse full of bonsai trees pretty hard to find your tree in the mix of loads of trees anyway it did lead me down a google images search i do think bonsai trees are kind of cute so yeah, you seem very, you live in East London. You seem like a very bonsai tree man. Yeah. Do you know why? Do you know the, the whole bonsai tree thing? Um, no, something to do with a tumble dryer. <laughs> why a tumble dryer? People, well, big tree gets put in the tumble dryer, comes out small tree. Oh, so well, it's shrunk. They're okay. not. They're, I see what you. Mean. Well, I don't think they're really big trees. They're quite small trees. And there you go. Well, that's because that's I say shrunk in the tumble dryer, Dan. There you go. Then it'll be like kinda, there you, was once a seed. Right, this is a, this is a, that was a joke that I would make. You mm. have a go at me, okay. and here you are going, oh, you're a bonsai tree, drunk in the wash. I can't believe I just said tumble dryer. Anyway, move on, please. Uh, um, and it's all about the, I, I think the Japanese, they take a lot of pride and a lot of zen in the way that you clip them and curate them and, and make them look, and, and it kind, it's kind of representative of, of spirituality. So that's why it's very, it's not like, you know, you go into your front room and you nick your mum's spider plant or her lily of the valley like it's quite an important I don't think thing. you should be talking about your mum's lily of the valley oh. the there we go right 
Fact one for me. Great Britain are the current reigning Olympic tug of war champions. I was wondering where that was going. Lucky said of war. Well, Brit, Brit, ask Brits are good at many things. Just something you can't have a competition about. I bet there is a competition anyway. Uh, yes, we are the current reigning Olympic tug of war champions because the last time it was featured in the Olympics was in Antwerp in 1920. Not just Great Britain are the reigning Olympic tug of war champions. We were represented by the City of London Police. Wow. <laughs> well, it's good to know that they are strong. <laughs> right? Oh, okay, good. I thought you were going to have a go at them about some reason. Oh, well, you're not on the bloody streets stopping <laughs> us as crime. You're not on the streets stopping bonsai tree thefts. That's why. Nah. Um, yeah. Uh, Fred Humphreys was the oldest man to win gold. Uh, he was 42 years old. Edwin Mills, brilliant old school names. Uh, Edwin Mills was also 42 at the event. Yeah, and they stopped it. That they they stopped it. What a hundred years ago? That was the last time this was contested. And how it was contested back then, you didn't really have um, like one team made up of different people. I think all all the countries who were competing would do their own competitions in house to find out who was the best tug of war team, and then they would go and represent the nation at the Olympics. Why the city of London police ended up winning it for? The, uh, Great Britain back in 1920. Few, few, few questions here on why, why it stopped. Stopped because they needed the police to do their job, or stopped because it's obviously ridiculous. Uh, after the 1920s games, the tug of war was removed because the IOC, that's the International Olympic, Olympic. Committee, I guess. Yeah, uh, decided there were too many sports, too many participants competed, so they removed quite a lot of them, and tug of war did not make the cut. So after that, the tug of war now is there's a load of amateur associations all over the world. I when I was growing up, I think a family friend was in the tug of war t- champion team for Great Britain or something. I seem to remember that being a thing. So I've just found the world rankings for tug of war. Guess who's at the top? Who? Oh. Not Great Britain. Netherlands. 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 I, I, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I feel tall. like um, you've got tall, strong, wide, good, good planting. Yeah. I feel like you two are from country areas, right? You sort of countryside. Well, apparently I grew up on a farm. Well, there we go. But you were from like... I did not know. No, but I feel like there was a local park fate that you probably went to when you were a kid that got involved in a tug of war. Absolutely. Yeah, there we go. I think... think... Mark's there like, just pull it. Just pull it fast. Just pull it hard. Right. Tell you what. Hold on, pause it. Hold on, guys. Hold on, pause. I've got to go do the tug of war now. We need need a Google Doc up here. Right. Damien, you're at the front. Greg, you're at the back. Oh, that'd be... Yeah, you've you've got to put thought into it. You can't just... You'd be like this guy. I mean, and the winner winner of it gets like a chupper chub. You're like, just chill out, Mark. Right? It's It's all fine. Very serious competition. Uh, Greg, we're in the fifth in the world rank. Fifth? Right. Do you know what they need? A mark. Bit of organisation. A A surprise at Uh, number three. Chinese Taipei. Just a few things to follow up on. I didn't live in the country, but yeah, I had a park. I just want to dispel this notion for anyone who's not living in the UK that if you live in the country, if you have a park, you must live in the posh country. That's not quite how it works. Um, also, you said that the name Damien there, didn't you, Connor? Yes. There's no way Mark grew up with anyone called Damien. No, I, could, I bet you a million pounds for that now. There's no way anyone that lives near Mark's farm is called Damien. And I reckon it's, it's a, have you ever tried to do tug of war? It's a really, really tough discipline. Like yeah. the skill is just in pulling and rhythm. And I guess insert your own jokes. I, I, I have none of that on that scale. Yeah, it's not a bit of me. 
It's kind of like rowing. You only do it at the same time. Yeah. Right. Random yanking. Tug, pull, no random yanking it's all at the about same time. Team tug, pull. Right. Sounds like Friday night. It's a good Friday night for Connor. There we go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Great Britain are the current reigning Olympic tug of war champions. Mark, what's your second fact of the show? The song We Wish You a Merry Christmas originated as a demand for presents from richer neighbours. I'd like to point out something here, Mark. Yes. Before you talk about was sailing. Hey, I know things. Um, look, you've taken all the Christmas facts. I was going to save some Christmas facts for next time, and you've taken them all. I mean, don't worry, I still have more for next week. I did to sprinkle them in. I'm in the like festive nice, spirit. Like a nice I've watched Muppets Christmas pudding. Carol. I've put my tree up. I'm well excited. I think the Yule one edged it, though. The old chocolate Yule log. That was a good one, that one. Not too sure. I'm, I'm surprised, Connor, that we went through an entire fact about chocolate Yule logs and you made no reference to your IBS. Yeah, no, I thought about it, but I thought, let's not put people off their chocolate Yule logs after their Christmas dinner by relating it to my shit. I know it's been a while since we've recorded, but that's a good point. Uh, You've changed, he's changed, he's believing in ghosts. You're not talking about your IBS. Yeah, we're new men. Is this still men. the same podcast it was before? I went away on holiday, he got the flu, we've all come back better and stronger. Mark, tell me about We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Okay, so the song originates from the 1800s, and it was sung by carolers to essentially demand alcoholic drinks and presents from their richer neighbours. So they would go round carolers to households which had a lot of money, a lot of presents, and they would sing the song We Wish You a Merry Christmas, and that is why the line We Won't Go Until We Get Some, so Bring Some Out Here comes from, because essentially the song was a demand. <laughs> yeah, of course it was. It's so funny, isn't it, how many songs have an underlying meaning that you didn't think was there. Yeah. It, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's bring us some figgy pudding. It's quite, you know, it's on the nose, isn't it? And the, and the thing with it is, this, it was like an agreed upon thing. So it wasn't, they wouldn't just turn up randomly and be like, hey, we want some figgy pudding, bring us right here at any time. There was like an agreed upon window where, roles were reversed almost and the the serfs would be able to go around to the landowners and demand like apples and stuff that they could make scrumpy cider with and figgy pudding and and it was it was like it, christmas yes exactly it kind of became a christmas tradition uh, the song has changed over the years in the 1830s there was also a verse that went we wish you a merry christmas and a happy new year a pocket full of money and a cellar full of beer <laughs> Cellar full of beer. Sounds like a good place for Connor. All right, Connor, give us your second fact of the show, please. Uh, Have you heard about the CSI effect? I have, yeah. Great, Nick. Oh, brilliant. No, I haven't. Go on, tell me all about it. I have not. Oh, it really interested me. So the CSI effect, I wanted to bring this to you both today, is a phenomenon. Help me out. No, I'm just going to let you do this. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. Sounds perfect. It's a funny word, that. Uh, which is caused by popular TV shows exaggerating the capabilities and techniques of forensic science in criminal investigations. Okay, it's so like law and order type shows. Yep. Okay. Now, what that's actually led on to do uh, as a result is jurors have begun to demand more evidence from the prosecution during trials raising the standard of proof. And it's a lot as well of the people that obviously watch the shows. So those jurors that are like really into law and order, really into CSI, 
they increase it so high sometimes that it's almost unachievable because they're watching these shows and they're like, buy your ideas up. Law and order, do it. I always think that when like, the one that really annoys me always is when you're watching like a crime or a like spy thing. They're looking at CCTV and they go, oh, zoom in and enhance on that bit of the image. And it's right. like, that's not f- possible. Exactly. Exactly that. Like but- you can't suddenly pick out a dot on a screen on what's probably a 1080p camera and just suddenly make it 4K quality by zooming in and just saying the word enhance yeah exactly and that's exactly it it's an unrealistic expectation but it's all coming from what is called the csi effect and it is an actual thing as well if you give it a google you'll find loads and loads and loads of information on this it's a real thing that's become a bit of an issue as well in courts i would hope it was a real thing that's what we're here to do yeah but imagine this is a thing connor just made up no as in it wasn't just the moment that it's happened once or twice this is an ongoing issue and obviously i mean it is a bit of an issue because i mean a juror like expecting things so unrealistic is an issue and a problem and it's based off of a bloody but i will say i think you're guilty but they could have bought more evidence i'm gonna let you on them tv shows though they are so realistic, aren't they? Well, with, clearly not. With up there, but with unrealistic. Like when you're watching it, I don't have any idea about crime and how you investigate. I watch it. They're filmed so well, acting's amazing that you actually believe, wow, this is the system, this is the yeah. process, which now you're realizing through this fact is so unrealistic in the expect of what they're actually doing yeah. that's then influencing jurors. It's Very great. What's, what's the fallout from this bin, though? So juries want really uh like want very very good evidence has, 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 has that been detrimental at all uh well negative effect well obviously it's, it's less i think obviously the biggest thing to bear in mind with this that i was reading and understanding was it's more between the jurors and the actual criminal investigators that i guess in a way see the issues so yeah. like the jurors are asking for a level of work to be provided as such but the criminal investigators are like we can't do that but then the decision that the juror is making is being based on what it is that they're asking for that can't yeah. be delivered. So probably so, so, a little bit of a so I think it can't be delivered because the evidence isn't there. So like, we want this and like, we can't give you that. And then like, oh, well, I can't give you that because he's not guilty rather than no, we actually can't give you that because that's impossible to do. Exactly that. And like, it was, it was interesting to understand that, and I didn't think about this, but with shows like that, have you ever noticed that like, there's always real heavy emphasis on forensic science that are in the cases. So like when you watch the shows, that's what people have picked out, like on the forums I read about it. So like whenever there's like the dead body, there'll always be like in a show, there'll be a big scene on that Mm. and there'll be like loads about it and then they'll really look at the body and they'll really go. That actually isn't necessarily what would happen as in detail in real life. And it's kind of setting that unrealistic boundary. And then the jury's like, well, we want that. What happened there in Law and Order, please? We want that. Apparently anyway, it's called the CSI effect. Talking about forensic thing there, do you actually know what forensic means? Like people always say, like forensic science and forensic, uh, I don't know, archaeology and stuff. Do you actually know what it means? I actually thought that I thought it was more of a role as opposed to a meaning. I thought if you if you were a forensic, like you, you had the ability to touch something that's sensitive in a way that you know you're you're going into something that can't be messed up. Architects, you know, mm. I don't know things that are old bodies that are, need to be investigated, but you're not, you're going yeah, into it as, as to how it was without, sc- if I went in there, mm. it's all get 
screwed up. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Right, and then whatever the original what? thing was, you're getting the second. You're getting it completely different. When so I'm you're done. saying that a forensic person is someone who's just a little bit careful. It's got the ability to go there, leave it as it was, but get the right thing from it. Someone who's willing to put on one of those white suits, some gloves, and a mask, and just be a little bit careful with it. Yeah, all. I'd smash it. Do to that, pieces. and you're basically a forensic scientist. Yeah, exactly. Right there. there we go. There's your answer: white suit and gloves. The- there you go. Well, yeah, I learned this the other day. It's all it is is when you use. You're called a forensic if you're using anything in court. So if you're a scientist that is giving evidence of science in a trial on how something would be done, that's forensic science. That's literally it. If you're a computer programmer who's giving evidence in a case about computer programming, you'd be a forensic computer programmer. I only just learned that. There you there go. go. That's a bonus fact. Well, I was close. I mean, close up. there's now going to be a thing called the baffled effect where jurors are expecting forensic scientists to turn up and, in court <laughs> And be incredibly careful with everything and only ever wear gloves, a mask, and a white jacket. Or maybe just make sure that the facts that Connor says are true. Is, is, is there a point in a job like that? Just mm. naturally assume no. Good fact, right? There you go. Pocket that one. It's a good one. I like that. Well done. Second fact of the show for me. In recent years, Volkswagen make more sausages than cars. I've heard word on this in my life before. I'm not going to sit here and say I've never heard this before, but I have no idea about it, and I don't understand why I've never asked about it, because it's ridiculous. Is, is it ridiculous that a car company... Yes, it is ridiculous. So they've obviously got a sausage company. Yeah, pretty much. The Volkswagen Curryverse is a brand of sausage. It's been made... Why is that funny? Just it's a good name, isn't it? <laughs> I tell you what, I'm obviously a vegetarian. Um, I say obviously because we I bang on about it all the time. Uh, I do. I'm looking at pictures of these. I'm looking at pictures of these sausages here, and they do look good. They've been made by the car maker since 1973. It's made in their Wolfsburg plant, sold in all six of the restaurant's German factories. The Currywurst is sold in supermarkets, football stadiums, given away as well. 6.8 million sausages were manufactured in 2018 by. Just 30 people. That's a lot of sausages per person. Hell of a lot. It's, the, it's called Volkswagen Original Part, and it's even got a product number, a part number, like they might give to uh, wheels or alloys or nuts mm. or bolts. It's 199-398-500A. Great, that was a bit of information I never needed. Did Volkswagen... Uh, Vol- was this something that they'd done before the cars? No, they started making the, um, the, the sausage in 1973 and the cars have been around for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, I would imagine. A bit weird, isn't it? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a bit strange, but you've got to think. Like, How's the original? I don't really know. There's, there's no... I think they were just making sausages for the people who worked there. Oh, I realised that and these he, are bloody good. Yeah, pretty much. Then they, they gave it away. The... They just, they, they, and, and they, they produce so many of them and they, and they sell them and they, and they give some away. You have yeah. to remember, and yes, this is massive stereotyping, fine, but the Germans are, are very efficient at kind of doing things themselves. You know, if, if we're going to sell sausages, we might as well make them. We're a car company. We, you know, we're good at creating things and then building it in-house. So let's do it with a sausage, I guess. There you go. Yeah, apparently, um, due to the remote location of the factory they cooked all the food for the staff uh, and apparently the animals even came from a Volkswagen owned farm 
they had a farm and then they used those pigs to make nice i and like then it decided let's start selling them. i mean surely they can't make more money from you would hope not. They also make a Volkswagen ketchup to go with the curry verse. The Volkswagen. 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 Wagon? Say it with confidence and who cares? Wagon. Do they own another car brand too? Or am I imagining that? They are another car brand, aren't they? It's the same what company. Do you mean by... what, what, what do you mean by... Like, Volks, like for example, Volk, Volkswagen is also Aston Martin. Like, as in they, they are... Another big car brand is them, isn't it? The Volkswagen Group sells passenger cars under the Audi, Bentley, Cupra, Lamborghini, Porsche, Seat, Skoda, and Volkswagen brand. There we go. So pretty much every uh, they brand. They also sell motorcycles under the Ducati. So Volkswagen are every brand there. They are a lot of brands. Right. Cool. There we go. And a sausage so yeah, brand. That's the answer. And, okay. and, and a sausage brand. One of the things that's really depressing is that I never got to try a curry burst before I became vegetarian. Hey, yeah, but they are. Do it. I might if I go to Germany, you know. I'm, what I'm worried about, though, and you'll appreciate this, Connor, I'm worried about my gut. Mate, I'm telling you one thing. If there is anything that is called, what is it again? Curryversed. It's giving me the squits, 100%. Yeah, it's exactly. Got, it's got all the bits not, in it. Yeah, imagine if you've not eaten anything like that for years and years and years. I mean, it's going to be a terrible, terrible time. Yeah, why not? That and a couple of German IPAs, you'll be good in no time, mate. The ultimate podcast for Married at First Sight fans is here. This is Recapped at First Sight. The new podcast keeping you up to date on all the love, fallouts, drama and secrets as the Married at First Sight UK bride and grooms try to make happy couples. And we're your happy couple right here, in a professional sense, of course. Join me, Kat Shub. And me, former Mavs UK groom Bob Voisey, every morning after you've watched the latest episode on TV. Plus, we'll have some special guests along the way enjoying our very own wedding breakfast. You bit the caterers, right? Uh, about that. Recapped at first sight. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
You can get in touch with the show. It's info at bafflepod.com. Also, as coming up to Christmas, Mark is stealing all the Christmas facts. Get yourself to bafflepod.com if someone you know is a, is a big fan of the show and would like some merch. We are joking. They are very affordable, very good quality. We can get them anywhere. Baffledpod.com. Head there. Last fact of the show. Mark, take it away. Very simple on this. During the Christmas season, 28 Lego sets are sold every second. Believable. And also, actually, in a way, unbelievable. I thought it'd be more. I thought it'd be more. I mean, it is just so popular, isn't it? I've asked one this Christmas. <laughs> I have actually as well. It's on my little list to my mum. Amazingly expensive. Bloody expensive. I've asked because they've created a, um, like, they've had it before, but the classic Mini, the old yeah. Mini Cooper, which was yeah. my first ever car. And I had a it. A Lego one? No, yeah. <laughs> I had it in British Racing Green, which is like the nice green colour from the Italian job. Of course you did, yeah. And they've released the exact version of what my car was with the stripes, the same colour roof, as a Lego set. I've asked for it. It's £255 for a Lego set. How old set. were you, Connor? What? How old were you when you were in this Mini? Well, when I passed, 17. That'd be so funny. You turning up at school or whatever you were doing. Yeah. This little kid in this like re- really like quite cool car. Little, mi- Hello, little, little Mr. Bean and wagon. Also those, those cars notably just break down all the time, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That happened loads and loads and loads. But it was a good time. Um, yeah, I- incredibly expensive. Isn't there a... Um, there was a... You might know this, but there was a record on a price that was paid at auction for a retro Lego set. And it was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely insane. Like, I think may have been maybe a film-related Lego thing, but it was like a really rare piece. But some of the collections people have is insane. Oh, yeah, it's mad. And, and you know, you've just shown it there as well. Like, Lego is no longer just a kid. Like, it's not just a kid's toy. Like, it's actually not a kid's toy well. in a way. Also, it's so hard. Also, someone's doing all right to be, what should I put on my Christmas list? 250 yeah. quid worth of Lego set. That's why oh. I went to the mum and dad. Yeah. yeah. Mark, well, yeah. do you have a Christmas list anymore? Um, sit there and write down things for your parents. Absolutely. No, essentially, what happens? He is goes to that... Florida. Of course, he bloody does. Mummy and daddy, they get his stocking no, what, out. What happens is that through the year, I say, should I buy that for myself? I'll wait until Christmas. Then it gets to Christmas. My mum will wh- whack me a text and she'll say, "What do you want for Christmas?" But like, I never wanted anything in my life. Don't, don't, don't know. See, the thing is with me, I don't like write a list like when I used to go through the Argos catalogue and tick what I want. That was but, a good day. Yeah, but what? So what I'll do is, which is. <clears throat> A nice way of doing it when I get to this age now is I'll send my mum just everything in my life that I'd like, right? So my, my current thing probably adds up to about five grand and then they'll pick one thing off of it and then I'll get that for Christmas. Could be a pair of shoes, could be the Lego thing, could be a new bike. Yeah, it's quite a sweet way. Yeah, and I'll just I... put everything that I want on there and some years it's, it's something big. small and some years it's something big. But like on there right now is a brand new MacBook. That's two and a half grand. Not getting that. But it's on there. You never know. You never know. So yeah. looking at it going, oh, new MacBook, two and a half grand, Mini Cooper, 250 quid. Oh, yeah. Lego set. Fine. We'll get in the loo roll for £2.50. I am, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting into the old Lego thing as I've got a bit older. Are you into it, Dan? Have you got any? You're probably, you're probably a little bit into that, I can imagine. I reckon you could take time on that. No, no. And I was never really into it when I was young, if I'm honest. It was, um, I think I always wanted to, but I really lack the... Patience. Attention span, yeah, and patience yeah. to sit there and, and make like anything that. that's not... Well, I just um yeah. I think you would be Mark. Surely you're into quite novelty things like that, right? Uh yeah, I used to like that when I was younger. Like I'm not so fussed on it now. Yeah. But I was younger. I think I think it's cool. I actually don't think that Lego is a kids' brand anymore. But there you go. That's for another time. I think it's actually so bloody hard to make that you almost think oh, it could be an adult thing. 
It is hard. Really hard. Moving diggers. Ridiculous. I'll tell you what is hard, which is what I'm focusing my time on at the moment. Beating 12-year-olds at Fortnite on the Switch. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm focusing my energy on. Right. No, no, no Lego for me. I'll tell you one thing. Good luck, mate, because I've been down that horrible path of trying to achieve that. You will never do it because they are very good. Right, Connor, give us your last fact of the show. Uh, I just wanted to take you to the world of Hollywood. I want to talk to you about Keanu Reeves. Um, the film John Wick's one of my favourite sets of films. I think they're so good. It was actually originally titled Scorn in 2014 when it was initially made. And Keanu Reeves was on set and decided to just accidentally call the film John Wick throughout the whole process. So they had to completely change the name. They thought, well, it's going to be easier for us to change the name than tell the main actor the actual name and tell him off. They just changed the whole name, which I think is bloody ridiculous. There's my bit. Two things. Two things. Scorn is a terrible name for a film. One thing. I agree. And also, there's no way he did it accidentally. Keanu Reeves has seen that and thought, Scorn is a terrible name for a film. I'm just going to call it John Wick until, until no one can do anything. But also, then he's like, I'm just going to call it after me. Yeah, right? Well, the character's name. Well, yeah, obviously. Because if it was called Keanu Reeves. Well, yeah, yeah, thank you. It'd be a very weird kind of documentary on the yeah, other thank side you. of his life. I didn't think the Keanu Reeves' real name was actually John Wick and he just happened to be playing a character called John Wick. I went, oh, this is a nice coincidence. So Hollywood, this. So Hollywood, right? Yeah. The main actor, oh, he's making a mistake, right? We'll change the name. No, ridiculous. But we don't know we if, if, correct if, if it was done that. Yeah, I don't know if it was done that. Um, Talking like, of acting, Dan, wanted to uh, bring this up at a point where I thought I could. I know we sometimes sway away from the fact when we get into the acting facts, don't mm. we? Because our fellow actor Dan is well, he has the tread the boards, as he will tell us. I had a, a, a Harry Potter themed Thanksgiving, young Dan, um, and we watched okay. all of the films, all of them, every single one. And I honestly have never paused the film so much in my bloody life to find you and i couldn't see you anywhere mate <laughs> on it every time in that Fine. great hall go to the deleted scene yeah that's where he is i was pausing i was pausing i was all my cousins were there i was like right this is what the kid looks like now and i had a picture of dan imagine him small with less hair find him couldn't see him anywhere no he had about the same right two, well so yeah I, I i probably would have had the same if not more hair that's the issue uh oh. and you can only see me from on top you can only see me from on top. So this was when I yeah was a, a, a supporting artist. Did you did you have a moment in the Great Hall where the film was called Harry Potter, but you were swaying away? <laughs> <laughs> just just kept calling it Ravenclaw Student One yeah, until uh, the whole. Thing you weren't Student days. One. Come yeah. on, rein yourself in. They're like, oh, the young no, lad, no. the young lad over there that's eating the croissant no, on repeat. No. He keeps getting the name wrong. Let's change it. I probably I probably would have been Student Three. Because of the way we were sat, because we would have been the fresh batch year seven, I think is what we were meant to be. What's and your... I was year eight at the time, so look, I can always play down. Uh, and I was kind of second in. That's what you do. So I was in play three. Yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts on this, though? Because I'm in that mindset of, yeah, the film sounds as scorn, but it's a bit ridiculous when they're changing the name. Like the whole studio is changing the name just because the Hollywood actor. Well, I don't. Th my, my thought is that they. We're assuming that it was done out of absolute terror that Keanu Reeves might kick off. But he's known to be quite a nice dude in Hollywood. Yeah. I reckon it was just convenience. It was or just, maybe they thought, maybe they thought, you know what? Scorn is a terrible name. John Wick is a much better name. It is all about John Wick. Let's just also, do that. Also, if you're, if you're getting the buzz out about mm. John Wick and all of this thing, and there's 
executives in the movie industry being like, oh, this John Wick movie. If you suddenly start going, so it's called Scorn, they're like, sorry, what? I thought it was called John Wick. Or is it the situation where we link all of that together and it was called Scorn, they done a press release saying it was called Scorn featuring Keanu Reeves, realised it's a bit thought John Wick's is better, slipped old Keanu Reeves a little... Dan? You got it? Yeah, he's done it. Uh, he likes to do that. Slip Keanu Reeves, the old cashola, and just put his name on the fact that that's why it changed. Well, you never know. You mm. never know. There we go. That's Hollywood for you. Right, last fact of the show. Um, this is an interesting fact. Gets a bit sad at the end. Is it about bonsai trees? No, it's not. Right. Um, Bruce Lee had his sweat glands removed from his armpits because he didn't like pit stains on camera. He thought they looked bad. Mm. So that's one thing. Mm. It is thought that that might have been a factor in his death, an unexpected and unexplained death a few months later. Well, probably close to the lymph node area, but also really sad that he felt that was necessary in a way. That kind of makes me feel sad. Well, yeah, it is a bit strange, isn't it? Because... He's playing this sweaty know, man, yeah, muscular, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. He's playing a sweaty warrior man. Um, surely people, like people, aren't going to go and be like, "Oh, why is he sweating? That's unbelievable. Mm. That looks bad." Also, so yeah. So then, here's the other thing I just thought, which is why I've just googled it and just checked. There's two images of Bruce Lee that I think of when I think of Bruce Lee. One is him either topless because he's fighting, mm-hmm. or in a vest because a vest. he's. Thinking, yeah. So neither way is he getting pit stains. Yeah, but well, maybe that... he just didn't like the the darkness of the pits as well. Maybe he didn't like the, the just the sweaty stains. You're there. forgetting maybe. the 25 second scene in one of the Bruce Lee films where he was in his pajamas. Ah, yeah, yeah, pajama pit stains the worst. Right, that was that moment. I think of a man differently after I see him with pajama pit stains. Yeah, yeah. Crazy though. I think he was only 32 when he died. And, yeah, quite an unexplained death, quite a sudden death. And they think maybe one of the reasons that contributed to it was by getting rid of his sweat glands, he was unable to regulate his heat properly and he just effectively overheated whenever he went anywhere hot. Wow. So that's sad, but it is an interesting fact. And that's what we're here for, ladies and gentlemen. It's a way to win. And we have delivered today, I have to say, bonsai trees, Bruce Lee, Lego, German sausages, your cop. All in that and loads, loads more. Connor has done the end of the show. Fantastic. I don't need to worry about that. Um, Say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Connor. Goodbye. Uh, It's bafflepod.com. If you want to get in touch, please say hello. And we're all off to thief some bonsai trees. Until next week. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.